Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do, is be here with you on a Sunday night. And oh my goodness, there's a lot to talk about tonight. Of course, Jonathan Lowe and Chris Tubbs are my producers tonight. I want to say thank you to both of you for making all these ideas and ideas you come up with as well uh, happen, so I appreciate it. Hey, Jonathan, how you be? I'm all right. How are you? I'm great, man. I feel really, I don't know, it's been an exciting weekend for some reason. I'm just happy. I went to church today. Did you go to church? I did not go to church. (laughs) Do you remember how I used to ask you that question all the time, every Sunday? Yes. (laughs) It kind of drove you nuts, huh? Just a little bit. (laughs) No, no. I hear it. I, 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 I don't expect it, but it's, you know, you work on Sundays, sometimes you get that question. And so... I am just responding to the question. That's all. Okay. However, um, do you want the time to go to church or you just feel like, you know what, I'm doing just fine? You know, because you don't have to go to church just to have a relationship, you know, that vertical relationship. You don't. Um, you can you can do it however you want to do it. But today, and I don't go to church a lot. Trust me, I do not go to church a lot. I used to be a church for real, church girl um, for many, many decades. And you know, so much has changed and so much um, has come out about religion and how it affects people and how churches run things and mega churches, you name it. You know, there's been so much change over the last, what, 30 years um, that it, you, you kind of know that many people are asking that question, what in the world am I going to do now? But I do um, believe that there are so many other options out there that can still lift you up, that can still encourage you, that can still um, be something that you really can believe in and accept. And I'm just wondering if you ever think about that at all, or is it just the way you are, where you say, I'm fine the way I am. I don't have to go into a church in order to be thankful. That's that's great. I don't know if there was a question in that for me, but okay. Yes, there's a question for you. What I'm asking you is, if you have gone to church before, no matter what denomination it was, if you were Protestant or if you're Catholic, um, bottom line is, when you get to this point, when you are adult and you get to do it any way you want, you don't have anybody telling you what to do, because <laughs> look, that was my life, right? My parents told us what to do, period. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I'm just curious to know, after all of what you experienced as a boy to a man, and here you are today. What do you think about 
saying to you, could you ever accept, I am going to go to church one Sunday? I, I don't see myself doing that right now. It may change. You never know what can happen. You never know what life will bring you. But right now, no, I'm fine. All right, I'll make a phone call to Jesus. We'll see how we can get that done. That's okay. No. I got him on the hotline. You got him on the hotline? Good. Do you know there's a song we used to sing about Jesus on the hotline? No, yes. Jesus is on the main, main line. line. Jesus on Did the main you ever line. hear that song? Yes, I've heard that song. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. We have a lot more in common than I know. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I never thought you would know that song. I don't know it by heart, but I know th- I know of the song, yes. Wow. I, I have, I have, trust me, I grew up and we didn't necessarily go to the full service, but I would go to Sunday school, you know, most weeks when I was up until maybe fourth or fifth grade. And then wow. as, as I got older, you, you try to make, you start to make your own decisions a little bit more as, as your parents will let you do. And so I didn't go to church as much as I used to. But yeah. yeah, when I was really young, my my parents would take me and we would go and that was it. Yeah, my parents took us every time. And what's really surprising to me is I have met so many young people, you know, in my lifetime I'm suddenly getting older, you know, the years come and I just I'm blown away at how many of them say, "No, my parents never took me to church. They just never took us to church." I was, and, and I would say to them, so are you part of a certain faith? And they're like, yeah, we just don't go to church. So, you know, to each his own. But man, for us, you better, you better be ready and shiny because you're going to church <laughs> every Sunday. <laughs> That's for sure. Okay, Jonathan, I'm going to let you go on that. Um, Thank I am you. curious to Appreciate talk to you. That. You're welcome. You're very welcome. I could feel it. Um, I do want to ask you about um, all of the climate news that we're getting these days. And um, I think we're getting more clarity as to when, how, where, and, you know, what is going to happen. Um, I am seeing so many articles when I'm researching ideas to talk about, story or, or um, interviews to talk about. And I'm just blown away at, at the clarity that we're starting to get. Are you seeing that as well as a trained meteorolo- meteorologist? Um, I, don't, I don't think so because... I think there's been clarity on what the problem is and the steps that need to start being taken to solve it. I don't think there's clarity on the approach to to solve this issue and the 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 will the wherewithal the the impetus the 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 need the drive to try to solve it i think that's where you have the most issues with this is if you talk to most scientists and i will say most because there are some that don't necessarily subscribe to the fact of climate change or global warming or whatever you want to call it and they think that it's more of a natural process than anything but most scientists would tell you, we know what the issue is. We know that it's the CO2 levels, the carbon levels levels mm-hmm. um, in the atmosphere. We know what the issue is, the problem, and we know how to try to not necessarily solve it but, but diminish it. But 
where's the need for everybody out there to try to make it a reality? Well, let's just let's just say for me, I am noticing climate change. It is very obvious to me. Now, I am not a meteorologist. I don't have the brain trust that you have when it comes to this. At the same time, I am noticing so many changes and big changes. I mean, not small changes, but big changes. And I keep saying to myself, what what can we actually do? To begin to correct this, I mean, seriously, make a big turn towards a better way. And that's the thing I don't find in the articles that I read. There is no voice that I'm hearing that says, all you have to do is this and things will clear up and we can move on. I have a problem with that. I mean, you know, again, the cows that I've been seeing lately, I know you notice them because you, you love weather. My brother Billy loves weather. I know he's watching. And I'm stunned at some of the clouds we're seeing today, clouds that I've never seen before. And we've I, had some weird weather in this state of Minnesota. There's no doubt about it. I don't think it's necessarily in the form of clouds. Uh, it, you, you can see the cloud formations. You can see that there, there may be more stark contrasts in the clouds. I don't think necessarily it's that that's the, the main issue. I think it's, again, the extremes one way or the other. When you're talking about what, what happened in Las Vegas and the desert southwest where they had all that flooding happening uh, the last week or two, when you talk about what happened in Tennessee and in St. Louis – I'm sorry, Kentucky. I'm sorry, Kentucky – Eastern Kentucky and portions in the St. Louis metro area where you're talking about 100-year floods, you know, 1,000-year floods happening in those areas. When you talk about temperatures being near triple digits or above triple digits for basically a straight month in Texas, um, and, I, and I know uh, one of my former coworkers is a meteorologist down in the San Antonio area, and I caught up with him and said, hey, how you, you know, how you doing? Are you being affected by all this heat and everything is is like yeah we're we're finally getting out of it but it's been you know 3 4 straight weeks of this that's when you notice these problems that's when you say okay something it's not just wrong but it's wrong and it continues to be wrong it's a continuous pattern and and it continues to stack onto itself that's when you start noticing that yeah, the weather's acting really weird because there's more heat in the atmosphere and there can be more moisture stored in the atmosphere. And if you have things happening at the poles where the ice caps continue to sh- shatter off, melt, and provide higher sea levels, more moisture, again, for the atmosphere to absorb, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then that's when you're going to find more of these extremes one way or the other. Yeah, so we'll hear little, you know, um, we'll read big, long articles about that sort of thing, right? You know, what's happening around the world and how it's uh, affecting uh, the changes that we're seeing. But it's even bigger than that. It's even, it's not, I wouldn't even call it a little thing. It's big. And, and I'm sitting here wondering, when are people going to start, like, screaming out loud that we have to stop? Blank. They what have is been. the blank that we have they to stop? They have been screaming, but people that don't believe in what these what these scientists are saying have been screaming back. It's been a screaming match back and forth for at least a few years now. 
But do you, are you are you saying that people don't really want to notice? Are you saying that they notice but they don't care? Because if they say, "I don't want to hear All it," the above. but it's actually happening, All aren't the they above. supposed to be react, reacting, saying, "What can I do?" This is what I don't understand from the voices of those that sound ridiculous to me. If it's actually happening in your backyard, if it's actually happening in your city, your state, your country, if it's actually happening around the world, we see video after video around the world this is happening, and they still won't receive it, then what should what should happen to those people? This is where you get into a tricky a, – a, this is where you get into gray area, and and I'm talking – Fog. I'm talking you can't see two inches in front of your face gray. Um, again, what do, you, what do you value more? Do you value making certain people think and act the same way you do, even if it's for the betterment? Or do you subscribe to the tenets of the freedom, the liberty, the, all that stuff? When it comes to the change, no, when it comes to the change, for me, when we are watching the earth change, you remember that tsunami in 2005 in Indonesia? Do you remember when we were told, hey, by the way, the moon um, moved our axis or something like that? They said it had something to do with the axis, and you would probably know that. Um, And I'm just curious, when that happened, I said to myself, how come nobody's like freaking out about that? Any little change like that could really be destructive to this planet. So the people that want to say, no, I don't believe in that. I think everything's just fine, and we're just going through a bad period right now. No, the world is screaming that this is a big problem. I'm not talking about movies like I always say. You know, they give out these messages in movies. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what we are witnessing as human beings alive, watching it, seeing it, hearing about it, reading about it. What are we supposed to do with the people that don't want to change? We're going to make things worse. I don't. I honestly don't know. I don't know. All, all you can do is give them the information and hope that they're. And again, a lot of people need to get better, including myself. I am not. I am not excluding myself from needing to be better to take better care of the planet. But for people that straight up deny it and straight up think that it's it's overblown or not even a real thing. You can only do so much to give them the information. You can't, I, I don't think you can force them, you know, twist their arm around their back and say, you must do it this way. There are many I think, I think you're going to get more problems that. if you do that. Yeah, but look at China when we were going through COVID. COVID changed everything for them just like it did for the rest of the world. And they went out and actually picked people up that kept leaving their homes. They would send these people who were actually paid to pick up folks outside walking around because they just want to be around. And they would go see you, come up behind you, pick you up, throw you, throw the, that person over their shoulder and take you back to your house and lock you in it. That's how bad it got, Right. So I keep saying to myself, is this, if it's this bad, when are we ever going to say we have to seriously do something about it? And what is that seriously do something about it? The whole all, world needs to come together, right? All I can say is, and this is the only thing that I can really say that sums us all up, human nature at times sucks. It sucks. That's it. That's, that's as simple as I can put it. 
I just want to give all of our children, the babies that are being born, and those that have a chance to have, become and live a life on this planet. And it's as though people think, oh, I don't need to do that. No, I don't, I don't believe in all of that. It'll be just fine. It'll be just fine. It's called ignorance. And that's where my challenge is. I keep watching it every day. Even in North Minneapolis, there are, I see changes in the clouds. I see, you know, where we get really, really dry. And then all of a sudden we get a really nice amount of, of rain. And you just kind of go, oh, I'm so grateful for this rain. I am so grateful. I mean, I look to the heavens and go, thank you for bringing water into Minnesota, right? Yet we are looking at the drought of what? I, you look at Mead Lake. In in Vegas, and you just is you're blown away. And what is the the Salt Lake City? Uh, the Great Salt Lake. The Great Salt Lake. Yeah, we have three major, major lakes that are just about down to a trickle. And, and I'm saying to myself, what do y'all expect? What is the Colorado River? Yeah, yeah. Seven states that pull on that. It's like you hear these things on the news, right? Sometimes, you know, the person delivering the information has a smile in their voice. And I just go, I, I, how do you do that? This is major. This is incredible. This is disaster. Yet you don't hear that rally cry from Americans the way I think we should be hearing it and acting on it. You know, remember World War One or Two, where they would put up, put up, um, Posters and the whole uh, country would come together and say, okay, you know, loose lips sink ships. Remember that? That sort of thing. People came together to make sure we were in it together. And I don't feel like we are in this climate change uh, disasters that are happening. We're not in it together. And if we're not in it together, how in the world is it going to heal? I just, I don't know. And I'm not saying that you should know. I'm just saying that I am at the point of exploding, <laughs> you know, emotionally, because I don't understand why people don't understand how important this is. This is when everybody in Whoville and that little boy climbs to the top and starts screaming. Remember that, <laughs> Dr. Seuss? Are you there, Jonathan? Yeah, I'm just I'm just uh, letting you go, but we got it. We are way past time. Okay. We got to break. Okay, we have to break. We'll be back. It is now 7:30 here at WCCO. Welcome back. Of course, I want to let you know who's coming up next. I'm very excited. I just saw him just a, about a week ago, and I'm very excited to have Dr. David Schultz, professor of political science at Hamlin University, join us tonight. And we have a lot to talk about. You know, politics is everywhere right now on all the papers and People are having conversations about what is going to happen in November. Well, he's the guy that I really trust uh, to come forward and really bring us some clarity about what some of the things that are happening in our world and what should be done about them. So stay tuned. We'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. My goodness, it is now 7.36 here at WCCO. Welcome back to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do is be with you on a Sunday night, and this particular half hour is so important to me. As I said before we went to break, Dr. David Schultz, professor of political science at Hamlin University, is joining us, and we have so much to talk about. How are you, sir? I am doing great. I'm glad to be on your show with you tonight. I'm so glad to have you, sir. Okay, before we get started with all the questions we may have, I want to ask you about political science. I remember taking a class through the University of Minnesota, um, uh, just one class of political science, and I absolutely loved it. However, I've had discussions about political science with many people over the years I've been here at CCO, and some people have a totally different understanding of the importance of political science and how it's really defined. Can you give us your definition of political science before we start the conversation? Well, the classic definition is that political science is all about the study of power. Um, But I'm going to broaden it and say that political science is not only the study of power, but it's also the study of of how we um, allocate power, who has power, what purposes it's used for. It's really all about, um, in some sense, um, the study of collective decision-making and who has the authority to do things. I know that sounds like a very, very, um, what, rarefied description, but it's accurate. Uh, what, I, what I teach, what I work with my students, um, is I spend a lot of time talking about who gets to decide what, who at the end of the day gets to make the critical choices um, that affect our society, um, that affect our lives. And that's really about power. That's what political science is. 
That is the best description, best definition I have ever heard. And believe me, I've read many books about political science, and I'm just about overwhelmed with joy with yours. So thank you for that. So knowing how important it is to our country and to the world, right, um, we are right. facing some big challenges right now when it comes to understanding politics, understanding political science, understanding what it is that we are supposed to understand about how it all works. And how do we get to where we are? Okay, so let's start talking about um, everyone that is talking about the whole FBI um, thing that happened with um, our former president, Donald Trump. And, of course, people are saying this was, you know, an egregious sin. They they did something they never should have done to him, and it wasn't fair at Mar-a-Lago and that sort of thing. When we start to hear stories like that, I remember this when I was in college for the first time, my first iteration in college. And, you know, we would have conversations. you get together with your friends and go, wow, that, you know, Nixon did such and such and so-and-so did such and such. But what we're seeing and hearing right now is so egregious um, for what's happening in our country. I mean, this is really important. How do we disperse that information and try to get people to open their minds and understand how serious this is? That's a real challenge at this point. I think one of the things that we're seeing now that we didn't see back with Nixon, with Nixon, there was an agreement across political parties um, that that Nixon did something wrong um, and somebody had to get him. I remember watching recently um, an old rerun of a Dick Cavett show. People don't remember Dick Cavett, a great talk show host from back in the 1960s and 70s. And he had Howard Baker on his show, who was a Republican senator. And Dick Cavett's ready to pull his hair out about all the horrible things Nixon was doing. And Howard Baker turns to him and says, don't worry. We're going to get Nixon. Um, And the reason why I tell that story is that there was consensus, Republicans and Democrats, independents, um, that that Nixon did something wrong um, and and he had to pay for it in some way and they were going to cooperate together. We don't see that now. We we live in such, um, um, I don't know what, such atomized or such um, separate worlds that there are a bunch of people out there who are absolutely convinced that the election was stolen. Um, that January 6th was simply uh, perfectly okay, and that uh, Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong, and that the search of the Mar-a-Lago um, um, was wrong. And I'm going to come back and say that on all those grounds, there there are serious threats, all those incidents in terms of American democracy. But we probably should talk a little bit about, um, about the search of the Mar-a-Lago. Does that seem appropriate? Yes, please. Good. Okay. So, so keep in mind that first off, no person, including an ex-president, is supposed to be above the law. That if if you or I were suspected of of a crime uh, of doing something, we would be expected to pay the consequences and to obey the law. And moreover, um, if you and I were suspected of a crime, let's say we stole something. I don't know whatever it could be like that. Um, um, what would happen is that the police or the FBI would go to court would have to convince a judge that there is probable cause that if they were to search, let's say, my car or my house or my apartment, whatever, they would find um, fruits of a crime. And so the FBI did the same thing here. They had to go to a judge, had to document and say to them, here is why we think um, we need a search warrant, why we think we may find particular things. They had to list what it is they thought they were going to find, and then a judge had to agree to it. 
And that's exactly what happened. And the reason why I mention that is that for people who are saying that, well, this is the FBI gone crazy, it's a raid or whatever like that, no. Um, the Constitution was followed. Um, the, the, the FBI had to get the search warrant, had to convince a judge, which is the check. And now what we're hearing um, in the last few days is that the FBI found um, quite a bit of material, including some of the most top secret um, information regarding um, some our nuclear program and nuclear stuff, of which there is no reason why an ex-president should have possession of those things. And so this is pretty serious stuff because the search warrant, and I read it, it was, it's a made available look at it, where Art was arguing that Donald Trump is potentially being um, investigated for violation of what? The National Espionage Act. This is real serious stuff. So the Espionage Act, get it. What I don't understand, sir, is why treason is not being spoken of. Why, this Isn't this the definition of treason? It potentially is. That's why I'm saying at least initially the warrant was, was, doing, espi- was doing the Espionage Act. Um, um, it is possible treason because treason and espionage are really very closely related. In fact, in many ways, the Espionage Act um, um, is... Well, treason is defined in the or is laid out in the Constitution. The Espionage Act is really the specific law that that makes uh, uh, treason illegal. So, so we could we could practically use those terms interchangeably um, um, in terms of how in terms of what's what's going on here. Now, just to underscore again for people to realize how serious this is here, is that uh, um, treason is punishable by life in prison. And actually, it is still um, punishable by the death penalty, although the last time anybody got the death penalty for for, for treason, espionage, or the Rosenbergs back in the the 50s. But I mention this because this is about as serious as it gets. Again, coming back to it, there's no good reason why an ex-president should have uh, um, possession of these materials whatsoever. This is the most sensitive top secret information um, that the United States has. And one has to wonder, what was Donald Trump going to do with that information? Why did he have it? I have so many more questions for you, sir. Can we take a break? Will you stick with me? Of course. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. It is now 749 here at WCCO. I am excited to have Hamlin University Professor of Political Science, Dr. David Schultz, joining us. And he's joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Okay, sir, as we jump back into this conversation, we know about declassification here in this country. We used to be really clear about when that would happen, how long it would happen, how the presidents would say or who was responsible for telling us, oh, no, we need to make sure we extend those years. Um, here we are looking at a president who's declassified which is uh, fine, of course, many presidents do, Dis- uh, dis- uh, sorry, um, that are really working to make sure, <laughs> really, I have so much to say, sir, forgive me. Um, I'm just wondering, okay. what does a president need to do to declassify documents that could affect or infect national security? First off, I'll point out, a former president can't do it. Once you're no longer president, um, you have no authority um, Um, to be able to declassify anything. But if you are the president and you wish to declassify material, 
there is actually a formal process, a set of formal rules that have to go through, of which you have to then, among other things, you would have to identify what documents or information you wish to declassify um, that has to be put in um, in written form to say that I want to declassify, you know, you know, I don't know, documents A through X or covering whatever subject matter, et cetera, et cetera. And it has to go through a series of processes and procedures before you do that. To the best of our knowledge, there is absolutely no indication that the documents that Donald Trump had in his possession at the Mar-a-Lago um, had been declassified by him. Now, he's claiming and saying that, well, um, um, I declassified them. If there's no written record, no written proof for that, um, um, then they haven't been declassified. And I also heard about over the weekend that his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, said, well, he was keeping those documents there for safekeeping. No, he doesn't own those documents. They're not his. That's not a place for safekeeping in a what um, in some room um, in the Mar-a-Lago. So if we know that this is wrong, why why haven't we acted differently? Uh, maybe there had been a stronger way of making sure that Americans knew we are going to protect our, our country. We're going to protect all of our laws. We're going to make sure that a former president does not get to do this. But that's not the rally cry. That's not what I'm hearing. You're absolutely correct. And, and, and that's the part that's really interesting about it. So first off, um, the president had had taken these documents. The Justice Department realized that documents were missing. Earlier this year, one of his attorneys said, no, we returned all the documents. We don't have any more in possession. Um, and then the Justice Department looked at it and said, nah, we don't agree. We think there's still more out there. This is part of a longer investigation of which we still don't have all the details on of what's going on. I just mentioned this because what they did is they said to him, we want these documents, return them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he didn't. And, and, and what's happening now, and this is the part that everybody should be cheering about, and it's not, is the fact that what? We're telling an ex-president, you are subject to the same laws, the same search and seizure requirements that any other citizen in the United States um, would be faced with if they were suspected of a crime also, too. Um, and that's the part that, that you think ought to be embraced. You would think that uh, people would be saying, yes. Yes, um, nobody is high and mighty enough to stand above the law. But instead, we're seeing all types of apologists um, ranging anywhere from what Senator Lindsey Graham, Rudy Giuliani, to so many of his supporters just simply saying uh, uh, the, the, the FBI was wrong. I think the FBI and Justice Department would have been wrong if they let him have a free pass on this. Didn't we know about this earlier, though? I remember a lot was happening at Mar-a-Lago. I remember when they were um, talking about um, really important things that were about to happen, and um, you had some people from other countries. I don't know if you remember that, but um, mm -hmm, I'm just mm -hmm. curious to know if he was already doing this, and we knew he was doing this, but nothing was done. I suspect, yes, because remember, he made the Mar-a-Lago kind of what the alternative White House, right. and we suspect that he probably brought information there. We as taxpayers paid a phenomenal amount of money for security there, for secret service there. And so I suspect there was suspicions that, that the FBI suspected all this, which is why they've been keying in on on the search and making a request there. But yeah, I suspect he moved a lot of stuff there even while he was still president. Mm. All right. Then finally, I remember when President Obama, um, they found in, oh, what country was it in? 
uh, I think it was a Middle Middle East country, if I'm not mistaken, but outside behind a garbage can. Do you remember when they found his schedule? Yes, I do. Yes, yeah. Uh, and that's not good because you're not supposed to have that kind of stuff, um, 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 let's say, easily accessible. Now, I know oftentimes at the end of the day or eventually – they pre- they publish presidential schedules like who's visited the White House and so forth and so forth. But all this is treated as what um, um, as security issues because let's be frank here: there are crazy people out there, and they're worried about protecting the president of the United States. They're worried about protecting America's national interest and national security, and so you just can't let information like this. Um, um, filter out like a laundry list or or a or a I don't know a grocery list or something like that. Right, exactly, sir. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that you joined us tonight. I have so many other questions, and we've run out of time. But I do want to hear one last thing from you. If there was one thing this country should do to make sure this never happens again, what would that be? Well, the most important thing, I think, is electing individuals to office who have a respect for for rule of law and who care about American democracy. Well said. I will be hopeful (laughs) in this moment. I will be hopeful. Let's just keep working towards it. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. David Schultz. My pleasure. And have me on again soon. I hope so. Thank you, sir. All right, everyone. Uh, Just remember what he said. Remember the words. If you have to go back to the podcast when it's up and take a listen to it again, just remember some of the key things that he said, because I know I will. All right. It has been a pleasure um, dealing with this, talking about this, and there's so much more to come up in the 8 o'clock hour. I hope you will stick and stay with us. We're going to have Damon Jenkins, uh, Senior Vice President of the First Independence Bank. Why are we speaking with him? It is the first black bank in Minnesota. So I am really, really excited about having him on at 810 and at 835. Uh, We're going to talk to the Booth Ladies podcast, and we'll hear more about the State Fair. We'll be back. Stay tuned. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.